Hey there. Thanks so much for taking a few minutes to watch this cabin talk. My name is Joe Martin. I'm pastor at First Baptist Church in Toledo, Washington. And, um, you know, it's just been a really, really blessed and full week so far. Now, a lot of you have been watching online or you have been attending in person um, the series on why church. And then we've been talking about why TFBC. And then we've been talking about why you. And this coming weekend, I'll conclude this series of messages <clears throat> on why church. And I'm going to be talking about getting in and staying in. It's one thing to get, find, you know, to look around and to find a congregation that you can really feel like, okay, this is a community that I want to be a part of and I want to get into it and live in Christ in it. And then it's quite another thing. It's a whole nother thing to stay in it. So many things, so many obstacles to staying in community. So many things will knock you out, knock you out. The evil one is always working in that way. So I really want you, and this is an especially important message for you to be present in person if you possibly can. It'll also be um, important for you to try and stick around, be, take part, be part of that breakfast class or one of the other classes because it's going to be a direct application to this. And then the following week we have a communion service and that's going to be really important. I want to talk to you about today for just a few minutes um, how to work and play well with other Christians. This is a, a real challenge and it's not a new challenge, but it, it, it ties in with this idea of staying in community with other people. You know, this is increasingly more difficult because we're living in the age of outrage and in a culture of contempt. You know, I've told you before that uh, the Economist came out with a series of studies where they surveyed people on both sides of the political, the political divide, and both right and left wing uh, views, or conservative or liberal or whatever title you want to claim. And they they found that it was like a mirror image that that people what people said about people that were different than them, and they said sixty percent were both right and left. Thinking about each other, said the other party, the the person, the group that was different from them, was a threat to the nation. Forty percent said those people were just basically evil, and the part that was really shocking was twenty percent described the opposition or their opposition politically as animals. <laughs> now it would be ridiculous for us to think that this kind of thinking, this age of outrage, this, this culture of contempt has not affected the um, local church. And it definitely has affected the local church. You know, last Sunday, I talked about the three buckets, the, the essentials of the faith, you know, the, the, the historical gospel message, the, the reality of God, the triune God, the salvation through grace, um, the nature of authority in scripture and a whole bunch of other things about what were the essentials that were critical for us to agree on as followers of Jesus. And then I talked about the things that were bucket number two issues. These are cultural and religious traditions that we have and, and, and preferences maybe. And it could have been types of music or the day of the week, or it could be 
uh, a translation of the Bible or the dress code or the time that services are, or a whole series of things that people that are secondary issues that are really not critical for you to be a Christian. And in most cases, not critical for you to be part of a local congregation, uh, to be a part of that group. Then the third bucket issues were people, were other issues. These were cultural opinions uh, that people have. They could be opinions that are not related to what scripture says, but it could be about who you vote for, or um, maybe your nation state that you came from, or the um, you know, whether you're a dog person or a cat person or <laughs> any number of things. And, you know, the sad part that we're seeing in society that um, in recent years is that um, that people, well-intended, oftentimes very zealous people, and especially on social media, make bucket two and bucket three issues bucket one issues are sometimes more important than bucket one issues. They think if people disagree with them on these bucket two issues that are cultural traditions or religious traditions or cultural opinions or, or, uh, are they, they will say things like this. They can't be a Christian because of that. I can't go to church with them because of that. That's a huge issue. And of course this has happened over and over again. Most of you know, people that this has happened with, people that you're no longer friends with, perhaps. But I want to say, <coughs> excuse me, sorry, I don't generally sneeze on when I'm recording, but <laughs> it's nothing to sneeze at, all right? Um, but this is very important to us because if we really believe what Jesus said, which I do, that how we relate to each other is everything about evangelism and everything about what we're really here to say and do, all of our credibility. Jesus said, John 13, 34, let, he says, by, he says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, that you love one another as I've loved you. By this, all men will know you are my disciples, that you love one another. Or as one translation says, this is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples when they see the love that you have for one another. This is very, very important. And this is critical for us to be recognizable as the apprentices of Jesus, of people who are with him and like him and do the stuff that he does. But what is it that's fueling so much of this um, divisiveness? Well, I'll talk about a couple things real quickly and maybe a little bit more next week. But, you know, one of the reasons why Christians are not getting along, most of them do not have anything to do with the gospel. Most of them do not have anything to do with um, the center of things that we really believe that are essentials. Part of it is just personalities. We live in an age of personalities where these big time preachers and they've got their own brands and they've got their own publishing houses and they've got their own study Bibles. And people think, well, if um, so-and-so says it, you know, if, I, if it isn't approved by them, I'm not going for it. You know, uh, so we talk about one of the things that gets in the way is personalities. And this was not a new problem. In 1 Corinthians 1.10, Now I exhort you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and that there be no divisions among you, but you be uh, made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. 
For I have been informed concerning you, brethren, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. Now, I mean that each of you is saying, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas, I am of Christ. Has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you, was he? Or were you baptized in the name of the Father, or in the name of Paul? Uh, I thank God I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one would say, you were baptized in my name. Now, I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Behold, uh, beyond that, I do not know whether I baptize any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, um, so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come to you with superiority of speech or wisdom, proclaiming that you were the testimony of God. I determined to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. So that's from 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and a couple verses, uh, verses 1 and 2 of chapter 2. You know, there was, Corinth was a very diverse group. People talked about Corinth as an immoral city. It was full of prostitution. It was full of pagan worship. And here's this church that is a mixture of converted pagans, Jews that have come out, people that have come out of Judaism to follow Jesus as their Messiah. And then all kinds of other groups. It kind of this point in the Rome, this kind of transition point in the Roman Empire. Well, uh, there's all these personalities in the church and people start to follow them just like they do in our day and age. Oh, I, did you hear what so-and-so said? I, I follow this person, their sermons, or did you see what this TV preacher did? And they, people would get very focused on their particular view of something. Maybe like we see today, people get focused on, you know, this particular idea about the second coming or whatever, or some other side issue, uh, some issue that I would say we don't have to have uniformity of belief about. Uh, I believe in the second coming that Christ, you know, he is coming, coming, he's coming bodily. He's coming uh, at an hour we know not. He's coming for those that are ready, that have repented and believed in Christ. But I want to say Paul was in this thing where there were these personalities. Apollos, who was a gifted orator, young man. There was Paul himself, who he says, I'm not a great speaker. I never was. I didn't come to you with superiority of speech or wisdom. Some people said, I'm a follower of Peter, Cephas. And some people, as they're always as a group, well, we're just the true Christians. And Paul was saying, God did not make us. I'm, I'm, I'm not, people weren't baptized in the name of Paul. And yet, personality is driving, especially in the social media uh, world right now, so much of the tensions and the struggles and the battles that are going on. There are people that have their own brands and churches that embrace it and pastors and spiritual leaders that do. So that was an issue that got in the way. There was also class. You know, you have to remember that the church was so amazing. One of the reasons it was so countercultural was because every class, you know, men and women, slave and free, um, rich and poor, um, were able to sit down together. Nothing in that culture was like that. You know, the women ate in the other room. The slaves didn't eat with anybody. Um, and yet in the early church, they had the 
one thing that was common for the first 400 years, which was the meal, the common meal that they shared together either before or after the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians eleven seventeen. but giving this instruction, I do not praise you. You, you come together not for better, but for worse. For if in the first place you come together as a church, I hear that divisions exist among you, in part I believe it. But there is also a, there also must be factions among you, so that those who are approved may become evident among you. He's just making a point about people that there will be factions, so it becomes clear who is really following Jesus with all their heart. The the people who are always factional will oftentimes demonstrate to everybody. Um, they'll reveal themselves. They'll expose themselves. Because really, when you live in community with people, it does two things. It, it brings exposure and it brings encouragement. It exposes you for who you are and other people who they are, that inner part of us that gets out or around people. But it can also encourage you to like move beyond it, get beyond your flesh and to love people. Therefore, when you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in your eating, each one takes his own supper first, and one is hungry, and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses with which to eat and drink? They would come, and some of the, probably the people who had more uh, latitude, maybe the wealthier people, could come earlier, and they would eat all the food. They'd take it all. So there was nothing left. For I received from the Lord, which I also delivered to you, that in the night in which the Lord... Um, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me in the same way he took the cup after supper saying this cup is a new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me so class can get in the way you know a lot of churches you don't find somebody who's on on just barely scraping by or maybe they're on some kind of support and uh, multi-billionaires going to the same church are millionaires. You know, there are people that have told me, I'm not going to go to your church because I don't, you know, look at all the junky cars. You know, this is what happens when we allow um, class to get in the way. And it's even worse when leadership and churches cater to a particular class of people because they think about you know how much they're going to give or whether they're going to give special um, consideration. It's partiality. The other thing is that is divided much is just religious cultures, um, traditions that happen. Remember we talked about this briefly last week in in Romans fourteen one. He says, "Now accept the one who is weak in faith." but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. For one person has faith that he may eat all things, and one uh, who is weak eats vegetables only. Um, the, one who eats, the one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat, and the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who does eat. God has accepted him. For who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls. For he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person regards one day above another, another regards each day alike. Each person must fully be convinced in his own mind. Uh, he who observes a day observes it for the Lord, and he who eats um, does so for the Lord, for he gives thanks to God, and he who eats not for the Lord does not uh, for the Lord he does not eat, and gives thanks to God. For not one of us lives for himself and not one dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord, or if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whatever we, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. 
For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. But you, why do you judge your brother? Are you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we are all standing before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then, each of us will give an account to himself to God. And so what he, he goes on, he concludes this in verse 13. Therefore, let us not judge one another or uh, let us not judge one another anymore, but let us determine this, not to put a stumbling block um, or a, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. You know what he's saying? There's a lot of these issues that are cultural issues um, that they were, there were Jewish people who didn't eat meat. There were other people that came from other traditions or that didn't eat meat. Um, there are people that had different ideas about diet or days. If that's working for them and their relationship with God, don't break fellowship with them. Love them. Stay close to them. Don't judge each other. Accept one another for the Lord's sake. We have to work at this. And then another area that is a big deal that goes on and was going on on that day too um, is politics. You know, I'm concerned we're heading into this political season where people are at each other's throats or watching daytime news services and depends on what silo you're in, if you're in a, the right right or left or middle or way off on the ends or online. But the reality is this is not um, the, you know, the American political system that you're living in is not the kingdom of God. All right. The Messiah is not running in any of these races. He is already Lord of both the living and the dead. And so we have to be careful that we can not take third bucket issues and let them divide us. This is how you work and play well with other Christians. You make the main thing the main thing and keep the main thing the main thing. And maybe you're different. Maybe you have different ideas or different opinions. And you may share them. Or you, but if you do share them, you have to share them with great respect. You know, Paul wrote like this. Paul In Paul's day, you know what the political world was? Nero was the leader. He's the guy that played a liar while he um, allegedly um, burned down the city or part of it. Um he was a mad emperor, and uh, he was terribly, terribly persecuted Christians. Sent them to the, to the, um, fed them to the lions in the Colosseum. You know what Paul said during Nero's era? He said in First Timothy two one. First of all, I urge that entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men for kings and all who are in authority, even the political people you don't like. You got to pray for them. You can't be talking about them all the time. That's not a part of your discipleship. That's not what Jesus did. So then, we are to lead tranquil and quiet lives in all godliness. And we need to pray for kings and all our authorities so that we may, you and I may lead tranquil and quiet lives in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desire for all men to be saved, all men, even those people that disagree with you, and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one meeting between God and man, the Christ the man Christ Jesus. This is really, and, and this is how we do it. And you know why he says it? He says it, therefore I want that men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath or dissension. This is important. So what is your practice? Well, here's what you're supposed to do this week. 
You, he's imploring us. He says in First uh, Ephesians four one. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling, with which you have been called, with all humility. That's what you do when you come to church in our community. If you're going to be a part of it, in all gentleness, with patience, even people disagree with you, showing tolerance for one another in love. Can you do that? Being, here's what you do. Here's your work. Be diligent to preserve the unity of spirit and the bond of peace. You work at it. You're diligent about it. You know why? There's one body, one spirit, just as you're called for the hope and what you're calling, one hope in your calling to be like Christ, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all who is over all and through all. So let's pursue peace, like Romans 14, 19 says and the things that make for peace, and the building up of one another. So I'm just going to encourage you, man, be there this Sunday. Let's work on this together. We get to practice love together at 8 and um, 11 o'clock and during the 9.30, during those 9.30 times. It's going to be so great. I can't wait to see you. For those of you that are watching this, go to our website, and you can watch the service from last week on the buckets. And then be sure to... Uh, share this with somebody else and follow the giving instructions online for those of you that are giving online. I can't wait to see you this weekend. Bless you. And thanks for watching.